Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Brian Gillis. And I'm Stephen Maltmanex. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, sadly, put a big dent in your wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell, it might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. Roll camera. Iris in. Begin. It's been a fitful night, but you wake refreshed. What is that beside you? It's a book about vampires. Nosferatu. Director F.W. Murnau had an obsession to create the world's most realistic vampire movie. Meet Count Orlok. The overture to our symphony of horrors. He dug up an actor. I'd like some makeup. Well, you don't get him. Who didn't just play the part. But you're not feeding. No, you're not drinking her blood. He lived it. What is the matter with you? Where did you find him, really? You've heard me talk about this movie in passing several times before we started this podcast or over the process, right? More than that, I mean, the basic history of me knowing you is you have—you are a self-professed, quote, pussy when it comes to horror films. Pussy. And mm-hmm. for one, I, I don't know why. Um, I, I guess I kind of know why. At the same time, I don't. But this is one of the ones that really you just were hesitant on checking out even this week i mean i kind of forced it upon myself i figured you know i was talking not about this film directly but especially german expressionism last week for city of lost children Mm -hmm. and after the fact i was thinking about i was like well i've never actually seen any of these films i've seen clips of nosferatu i've seen clips of the cabinet dr caligari or you know of metropolis or any of these other german films and i've never seen any of them never mind the silent ones so i went uh okay i'll i'll fix that debt i can do that beginning the month off i picked chronos that's a vampire movie middle of the month i'll pick nosferatu as a vampire movie i'll finish the month off with something else um maybe it's the hunger Maybe, you know, it's the Belagosi vampire Dracula. I don't know yet. But no, yeah, I got a, a pretty interesting history of this movie. It begins with, yes, me being a pussy. I've talked about this many times on this show or just the podcast or on the internet in general. It comes to horror films, which I think a lot of people find peculiar given that I have scared people for a living. I've done it several times. I've done it at Universal Studios for their Halloween Horror Nights. I've done it at the Queen Mary for their Dark Harbor. I have a history. I'm a paid scare actor, and I'm good at it. You know, I've gotten accolades every time I've ever done it, all three seasons that I participated. And that that's fun, you know. It's, it's great to get a, a laugh, a scare, a startle out of someone. Mm-hmm. I just don't like being on the receiving end of things, and yet I love things that fall under the horror subgenre or genre itself, like gore and splatter and body mutilation. I like Cronenberg and body horror. There are certain horror tropes and things that I'm a big fan of. I love The Evil Dead, as I think anyone with the podcast does, or at least a movie podcast. But yeah, you don't like Evil about, Dead 2 for whatever reason, though. So. I, I prefer Evil Dead. My order is Evil Dead, 
Army of Darkness, then Evil Dead 2, okay? And I, I'd even, I'd put, like, the first season of Ash versus Evil Dead, like, I mean, on there's preferences, yeah, it's just the way that you talk about it, even though I don't think you think it's a bad film, but you make it just sound like you don't, I don't like know. Evil I don't Dead think 2 it's, at all. I don't like it. No, I, I don't like how they throw away the whole first movie to make, you know, Evil Dead 2. But this isn't about that, this isn't about same Raimi, this, this is not about a, <laughs> that kind of thing. It's not about deadites or zombies, this is about vampires, or more particularly, Nosferatu, because vampire is a bad word and so is Dracula. Um, Can I just but, say one thing, by the way, th- and this is where sure. it's going to get very weird as far as terminology, because I might be referring to Dracula characters just because Same. I've seen this movie before. I've seen it many times, but the viewing that but I am the Jonathan freshest Jonathan Harker, on, and it's Mina Harker, and, and it's, Count it's Dracula. Yeah, if you watch this on Amazon Prime at current standing, then yeah, the title cards, they have all the Dracula character names on there, and there's so many different versions of this, and there's so many different scored versions. I mean, the images are basically the same. The way that they're edited, for the most part, is the same. But when I was watching this, the characters were Jonathan Harker, they were Dracula. You know, it wasn't Count Orlock, which was really messing with me, because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Max Shrek is just not... Dracula, you know, it's an iconic design, but no, it would say like, and yeah, it, this is Dracula, and I was just like, what the fuck? No, I know this is a Dracula ripoff, like unabashedly. No, I wouldn't. Um, I it, wouldn't say it's a ripoff. It's a straightforward adaptation. You know, they took this book by Bram Stoker, they took this mythology, and they made, you know, their their small budget German film. See, the thing um, with the changed... adaptation is that usually it is licensed, and they get credit for doing so. At this, this movie time does not in history, acknowledge it. Yeah, this is the early 1920s. I'm just like, saying, hey, they successfully rules... sued the production company behind this film. More than that sued. only made no this more than as sued. a result. They sued the production, the production company. They probably sued every actor and actress. They definitely sued the filmmakers and the contingency because mind you, Bram Stoker was already dead. Was that his? His wife, the the Harris of the state, decreed destroy every copy because hey, you made a really good movie and we wish that we ma- let you make it. Um, because this reinvented in the ways that Dracula kind of created the vampire lore that we know. This reinvented certain of uh, like staples of that mythology and turned them into things that we know. For instance. The actual Count Dracula can walk in sunlight. It doesn't fucking hurt him. It's like he's in a Twilight movie. He sparkles. Watch the Francis Ford Coppola version. He fucking literally sparkles in the sunlight. Here, sunlight kills the motherfucker, okay? Like, there are certain things here, like crosses and crucifixes on the doors. The way that this, uh, Orlok coming to this town is basically kind of turned into a plague I know the sunlight like, bit's part of Coppola, but I mean, just is is that part of the book? I really can't yes. say because I no, know 100%. people have called bullshit on the Coppola flick for that. No, a hundred percent. Coppola's Dracula is Bram. It's titled Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's even more of an adaptation than the the original Universal Monsters are. Uh, like that is, as far as I'm aware, and I have seen it as close to the book we'll probably ever get. Because why would they do it again? I know there's Dracula and Hold. I know Universal's going to make their new because Dracula movie get made for their the monster universe. I mean, that's a simple thing, but no, I mean that movie is awesome. And yeah, though the way that they explain in that movie is that vampires, uh, they can walk in sunlight, just not all the time. I can't remember the explanation. It was weird. It just made it seem like yeah, that weird one time title was special. Cards. Like, like he's got to be selective on it, but. 
I, I guess, yeah, I get you for the most part. I mean, you know, as far as cinematic language, you know, this is very much the first iteration of that. Like, mm-hmm. this is the first time that people have seen a vampire on screen. And for some for some people, this was the first time they saw anything on screen ever. Imagine how fucking I, scary that is. It's still scary. That's why, you know, it took me so long to watch it. I <laughs> wish that I had just seen it as a kid, because in 2005, you know, when I'm really fully getting some movies, just started high school, like, becoming, well, I am a teenager already, just watching everything and anything I can in my drama class, the class that I talked about during my, the West Side Story episode, um, another Brian, Brian McKay, he had Nosferatu just happenstance on him. I think he lent someone or was going to lend it to someone. I was like, oh, I want to see that. Like, that's one of those movies I know everyone has to watch. And he said, yeah, sure. And he handed me this copy, which was like 100% just like a DVD-R with, you know, a makeshift DVD menu and everything. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I took it and I plugged it in. And just the DVD menu alone, the title screen alone, was enough for me to go, nope. And I took it on my fucking PS2, and I went, some other time. I'll watch it some other time. And 12 years later, I gave it another another go. But god damn, did this movie not age well. The Count uh, no. Orlock stuff. Wow, well, no, 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 yeah. no, no, The no. Count that Orlock stuff is amazing. It's incredible. Yes, the Absolutely Count Orlock incredible. stuff is amazing. But everything else... The no. reason why I hate silent films is that the title cards go so slowly, it's like they didn't know how to read back then. Okay, de- well, I'm talking about the case here, a like, minute. We talked about for this one title with, card. We talked about this with Wings. I mean, uh, yeah. something that definitely impressed me with Wings was the editing, was the pacing. And granted, that is far later in um, just in the silent film era. Further. Like it's closer to the end. Yeah, uh, at that point. It's and, past the end. They were already making talkies. I mean, and then also there's the fact that this is a German flick. Like, there's there's things here where, yeah, it's the title cards do kind of go slow. But, I mean, I don't take much issue with the pacing of the image. Like, it plays out really well for me. It's still pretty fast for an 80-minute flick. And, I mean, it's also just about the mood and the atmosphere. And every version that I've seen with the score, they at least... You know, they can keep up with it, but this is, like, part of the power of filmmaking, and just with this, like, flick in general, is just the images here. They fucking creep up on you, and it just the doesn't images. go away. Like, those images, they're just able to create this atmosphere, and it's really unnerving, and everything else, it's like, you know, th- this isn't scary, but it's very uncomfortable uh, to watch, and that's just not something that I think many people, like, have a discipline to just, like sit back and necessarily take in but if you really give yourself to it like it's you know you put it best with uh city of lost children like as a spooky film but like this to me is like it's kind of a definitive halloween flick and that i i saw this like i think for the first time when i was six and you know like this (laughs) this is very much a halloween flick just by feel um to me alone like it's it's probably the best vampire story uh, that is able to do that. You know, I, I, the Bell to go see Dracula does not do that for me. I wouldn't say this is a story. Like, this is Dracula, you know. We've all seen it or we know it, even if we haven't read it or watched an official adaptation. There's this guy, Jonathan Harker or whatever, Hutter, you know, works for a real estate agent. Some guy out in the middle of Transylvania has a fucking castle, turns out to be uh, this vampire, Okay, he sees a picture of Mina Harker, or Hutter's <laughs> wife, Ellen, and goes, oh, she has a beautiful neck. I want to suck on her titties. 
I'm gonna buy a house next door to you just so I can fuck her, suck her, whatever. Well, you know, it's it's and... also a thing too. With I don't know if this is literally me projecting it, just because we see silent films differently now, obviously within uh-huh. context from how they did a hundred years ago. Uh, Ninety-five years for this, by the way. Um, holy shit! Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I couldn't help but laugh at a lot of this stuff just because of how painfully on the nose it was. Like you know, especially when Harker's reading the. Uh, the Nosferatu book and he's just like throwing it on the ground so many times like oh this is bullshit it's not this doesn't mean anything while everyone else is giving him the warning it's just you can't help but kind of laugh at that stuff a little bit even though you know it's obviously just going down a bad road especially because you know this story and you kind of know the plot for it but I, I mean yeah you know just as far as enjoyment it's like there's still entertainment value in there for what it's worth yeah, I didn't. I didn't think the acting was bad. I didn't think it was over the top. I was prepared for like histrionic. Well, that is the nature where that is they're the nature of silence. Jumping cinema, for though. joy and being very vocal and moving their hands around, and for the most part, this isn't that. Like it's, uh, it's not by the numbers. Like the acting across the board, obviously for Max Shrek, but then you know this Harker character, Mina, the Van quote unquote Van Helsing, who's not actually here, but just some kind of doctor. Yeah, like all these professor. people, maybe it's because it's a German production. Maybe it's because you know it's F.W. Murnau. I don't know what, but really impressive. Like I don't think I'm gonna go out and watch Sunrise anytime soon. It's another one of those debts that I gotta pay off eventually. Maybe next year for the Oscars. You know, we mentioned that briefly. I, I mean, just, I, I, I think it's more a symptom of silent cinema, especially with performance. Yes. Just like, that's the thing is, like, I said this before, is that, uh, you know, one of the best benefits with sound is just with silent, you can't be subtle. Like, your themes have to be blatantly obvious and on the surface. You have to communicate everything through an image. You cannot have any obvious subtlety, really. Like, unless it's a close-up and, you know, like, maybe there's something in the eyes, but... Yeah, for the most part, it's just it has to be very much on the nose and on the surface. And you know, for a genre piece like this, that's mainly just based on mood and atmosphere, it totally works. Like this isn't just a genre piece, though. Like this is the genre piece. This is kind of the defining moment for not just horror but genre in cinema. Like before this, like oh yeah, maybe there's the Great Train Robbery, or there's like mm-hmm. Edison's Black Dahlia experiments, or there's what the Lumiere brothers are doing. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, unless you're counting like really cool things like George Melier is like doing like a Journey to the Moon, where you know it's very short, and yes, that you know is genre too. That's science fiction, but it's more of kind of. Uh, He's a magician. He's trying to show you how many tricks he can do with a camera. That's why it's something like 9, 10 minutes, 15 minutes long. It's it's not really a movie. It's kind of a demonstration of his cinematic prowess. But you can watch those and still to this day just be like, how did he do that? You know, there's still... Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's, it might it's turn less off about... people now when they'll just be like, oh, it's old-fashioned. But no, there's still plenty of tricks in there where you do not necessarily understand Big the time. illusion. Yeah, no, uh, without a doubt. Same goes for Wings. But at the same time, like I said, it's not really a movie. You don't care about these characters. You don't care about the journey. You care about, oh, my God, that is amazing. Look how good that looks. Look at that moon that got the rock in his eye, and it looks like he has a cum shot dripping down his face. You know, that's the stuff you care about in that. You don't care about the movie, whereas this is a fucking movie, you know? It has a true runtime, 80 to 90 minutes. There's actors here. There's supporting actors. There's makeup and sets, and it's shot on location. There's mm-hmm. great scenery. Like, we'll talk about Orlock and Max Shrek in a minute, but 
some of the stuff that worked best for me that made it a worthy watch because I already knew those things. I've already seen the images of of this Draculus Nosferatu. It's this quote unquote documentary footage. The opening, you have a cat. You know, you <laughs> see many rats across this I film. I knew you that see, was going to work for you. <laughs> you see spiders in a web eating. You see a Venus flytrap eating. You see um, these guys in this huge raft going down like a turbulent river. Like, you get a lot of shots from 95, quote-unquote, 100 years ago that really sell what life kind of was like back then, I mean, even though that, these this actors... is the 1800s. Like, this is yeah. a great period piece that totally mm-hmm. just manages to recreate a period that's like what yep. like uh, 70 years earlier from when this was made it's almost as early for them from when they filmed it from how long it is now from when this film was filmed um and yeah like just the get up and the this puritanical clothing the the nightgowns and and the bedding the ships and the ship's log the the handwriting like all of these things it seems like it is the 1800s you don't have to listen to someone talk and hear this kind of dialect. It's not, you know, Dave, uh, what's it, not Dave Eggers, is it? Is it Robert or Dave? Uh, Robert for The Witch. Yeah, it's not yeah. The Witch. You know, they don't need a dialogue coach and someone to dress them a certain way and to use natural lighting. They don't need that kind of stuff. And fittingly, his next they film actually is going to be though. Nosferatu. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's just, it's just one of those interesting yeah. little segues. Not so but, sure if that's a good idea, but... I, I, me I, either, whatever. but... Hey, we always uh, have as far this. as as far as I know, Werner Herzog's Nosferatu is really good, also. So yeah, as a Herzog maybe... flick, I hear it's just as existential as his other stuff. So maybe that might be interesting. I don't think that's going to be a Halloween pick ever. Uh, I'm I'm not picking it, but I'm just saying like, I'm not that either. that's supposed to be a good production after The Witch, which I saw this Halloween. I'm sure that his version is going to be equally like I. I'm kind of terrified just thinking about what he would do with this kind of imagery in the way that he's already done the Salem Witch Trials. But, hey, we'll see. I'm sure he'll use the the plague uh, heavily like in this film. But I really like this documentary, this quote-unquote documentary footage, you know, this these live, like, scapes, and how they actually work from, like, a narrative standpoint in terms of, you know, they use the plague very heavily here, and you see images of rats, and that explains why they think it's a plague instead mm-hmm. of, like, a vampire going on a killing spree. And the fact that the person who kills the vampire, this Mina Harker character, her introduction in the film is her playing with a cat. And she is like a cat here, because cats help kill the plague, and it's fitting bringing the witch back one last time. The reason why the Black Death, why the, the plague happened in the first place, is because the Romans were stupid. Or, I mean, not even the Romans, just the Pope and his colleagues were stupid, and they killed all the cats because they thought cats were imagery that was associated oh, with witches, and therefore they caused, you know... The, the the cats to die and the plague to happen. You love cats, cat I get it, I get it's it. It's beyond me just loving cats. It's not about a cat literally sleeping on my shoulders right now. Um, it probably and is. not too. about him like being, 10% not even it. him being a black cat, but 20% no, like these, these are facts. Watch Ketty, you know, uh, like cats save the world more than once. We know this for a fact. Uh, I, I don't know how those cats and dog movies were made and the cats were the bad guys. Well, I, that's what I grew up with. I'm sorry. Even though the but first yeah, the, bet I had was a cat, you know. But these images here, especially with Orlog, it's kind of like Science of the Lambs, where it's like every time Hannibal Lecter, Anthony Hopkins, and Hannibal Lecter is on screen, you cannot take your eyes off of him. And that's mostly because of the way he commands the scene with his dialogue and his presence and the <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Whereas here, it is 
visually astounding. It is purely a look. This is an actor, maybe an actor, uh, maybe a vampire, who truly is not even scary, not even spooky, not even unsettling, but haunting. The way he looks into the camera, into your fucking soul... The way his teeth look, his fingers look, his ears, his fucking huge head. Everything about him. The way he comes out of the coffins. The way he carries the coffins. Just the fucking fingernails. Literally, the teeth, like everything. I mean, this is really one of the few examples. And maybe it's just because of film... uh, degradation over time that you know no. it's but uh, i mean i don't my, think but so. here's here's my thing is that out of everything that's been made all the movie monsters after Ever. this like you can tell even if i'm sure you look at klaus kinski as fucking nosferatu later on you can tell that's makeup this does not look like makeup at all this isn't makeup it is scary this is a real fucking vampire man <laughs> That's why I was so scared of it my whole life. That's why I finally seen it. I thought it was kind of boring. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. What's the image but that the you gifts, get? Like it's it's scary the fucking as a gifts, kid when you watch this. The staircase sequence at the end of this film, that final scene, when you see him across the the boulevard and he's in a house, and then before you know it, he is climbing as a shadow up the staircase and his fingers go around the banister and past the door and into her bedroom and his hand climbs from the ground to the bed to her chest and almost rips her heart just yeah. a hand that you don't even see just a you literally shadow. see just a, a shadow and that shadow is scarier truly than almost anything I've ever seen without flashy effects or jump scares or any kind of audio cue. A pure black and white image. Just an image. And that's not because of just the character. Like, you see him. You believe that he's real. Like, it just mm-hmm. it, it just looks like it. But, like, he I is mean, real. this is part of, like, what, you know, taking time and film history out of this, like... Just the atmosphere that this builds up, like everything that you believe in this world, the f- period, the whole time, that you, d- I mean, what still makes it work is like you buy everything and then just to get up to that point, it, like, it, I, I, I still, I, I think it's perfect. Like, y- y- you this know, is no, not no a shit. movie. Like, they, this is a film. They film something, but this is not a movie. This is not a production. <laughs> I do not think the Stoker estate destroyed the, the, the negative because they were scared of like copyright infringement. I think not they scared. didn't want people to know. Money. No, I didn't think they wanted people to know that a real vampire is out there and his name's not Dracula. Because I talked about it earlier. Shadow sure, of the Vampire. How did the Nazis come about, man? <laughs> Grab audio clips from that trailer because there's a movie out there, and I saw the movie right after it came out. It was released in 2000. It's called Shadow of the Vampire. It's produced by Nicolas Cage, and get this fucking thing. It's based on an urban legend that Max Schreck is not the star of this film, but an actual vampire called Counterlock, and that is what the film is about. John Malkovich plays F.W. Morneau, and Willem Dafoe plays count orlock he does not play max shrek he plays count orlock he is a true vampire somehow he gets a real fucking vampire the same vampire in this film to act in his movie i need to rewatch the fucking thing because that Maybe movie we is unsettling that movie too. one day I, I don't know if i want to use the trailer clip but fuck it i will figure it out um 
you know, something that I I got to say that that really bothered me about the version I saw because I don't know what you saw, but um, I watched the HD version from YouTube. And did it have the color tints on it? No, it's purely monochromatic. Um, the only updates that, that it had, I'm Actually, sure, were yeah. the the sound, and then also um, the title cards were were done recently on a computer, so they weren't shit. Well, I, what kind of sucks is that the version I saw, it was all black and white, which, you know, I, I don't know. This is debatable given how many versions there are, but when they say it's midnight, when they say it's night, and it's clear that they're shooting in natural oh, yeah, light very, during the day. Definitely daytime, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess maybe that makes it more off-putting, but it's also just kind of annoying. And, yeah, I just, I've, I've seen this movie so many times before, and I've seen it with those color tints, and, yeah, with the color tints, they do work. Like, there's just something about, like, when it's blue and it's night, it's just as fucking eerie, and uh, it, it just works perfectly. So, yeah, I, I don't know, just... Uh, it's it's frustrating that we don't have a definitive cut of this. Like, Criterion needs to do something and just put it out there. I mean, this isn't the public domain, I mean, I would, I'm pretty sure. So. I would... Oh, 100% public yeah. domain. Like, I want... I actually found it. It's um. I don't I think know the website. Amazon the literally Wikipedia has a page. VHS rip, by the way, which is weird <laughs> because there's an FBI warning at the beginning of it that says like, yeah, if you shit. steal from this, and I'm like, this is public it's free. domain, right? Yeah. Well, it's actually not public it's, domain everywhere. I don't know. Only in it's, America, like in, in uh, the EU. Maybe well, it depends on the really version. I don't know because the one that I had was like literally using characters from Bram Stoker's novel. You know, like it. Like, this wasn't yeah. or- Orlock. This was Dracula in this cut, so... I know there's a cut out... They're not a cut. I know there's a version out there, like, on the Getty Images website. Uh, I saw it on Wikipedia. I'm actually pretty interested. That takes, like, this original footage. It inter- It layers on audio, so it has, like, a more professional score as audio cues, like, doors opening and, and, like, fingernails and whatever. And then it also has um, some voices, so it's it's still a quote unquote silent film because there's not actual dialogue dialogue, but at the same time, you know, it it brings in this audio that transports it to a more, you know, contemporary uh, viewing point. I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, so that might be an interesting version to rewatch. Like I said, the the link is on the Wikipedia uh, page or the wiki, mind you, for this film. Um, but no, I, I. I don't think this movie is necessarily by today's stand like for the don't average that, consumer. Don't do that. Don't. Do I don't that. know if it's necessary for watching, but if you cut every single Orlock moment, all mm-hmm. like because it's not a lot of it. I'd say like it's maybe twenty minutes. It's probably closer Evidently to fourteen. Uh, I think according to trivia, it's only nine minutes. Yeah. So if you take just that. And then, like I said, if you take the the quote-unquote werewolf from the beginning, the hyena, um, you take uh, all of the animals that are here, you take the water stuff, you take um, not the boat because that sucks, but it's like a, a, a shot here or there of someone clothing or disrobing of, of, you know, like this or that. But, like, all of the the henchmen thing, not even henchmen, but what, what the fuck is his name? Redfield? The, the guy... In, uh, I, yeah. Th- the real in my guy. version, it's knock. Yeah. yeah, the real estate guy. All that, that side plot, throw that out the window. It's worthless. It's like twenty minutes that you can discard. Y- you can. It's seriously, funny this though. Is, I mean, when he's first, it's like, not bad. Oh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna give this guy a house. It's a good opportunity for you. He can have the house right across from you. Yeah. 
Yes, you might it'll, sweat it'll be and you perfect. might even bleed. He will but it'll be it. worth it. Yeah, but I like that's watching so watching Harker fall out the window. You know, all these little shots that are kind of whimsical and sell mm-hmm. the story. People don't need the story anymore. The story is so infused, not just in pop culture itself, but just culture that everyone on the planet is aware of vampires and not just vampires, but also Dracula. You know, like he is the vampire of them all. He's the king of the vampires. That this film, maybe at the time of its release, because, you know, it, it was within 30 years of the book's um, you know, publication that people weren't fully aware of Bram Stoker's work or Dracula itself. But now, like, maybe, yeah, Nosferatu shows up or Counterlock shows up in a SpongeBob SquarePants episode or, <laughs> you know, you'll get an image here or there or it's something that you might have nightmares of. Like, maybe you're watching a movie and you see it in the background and it's it's very vital. Is 100% like the Orlock material, those 9 or 14 or 15 or 20 minutes... I'd buy that with every dollar I have. It is the most just unsettling imagery I've ever seen, both before I saw it and then once again when I saw it now. None of it is stale. All of it feels and makes you feel a way that I highly doubt any other film can make you feel. Just because it is truly, if you are 100% deaf, you are still going to be startled by this film. And that's masterful filmmaking. That's why certain silent era filmmakers were much better directors and more auteurs than anyone out now. Not just because they did it basically literally alone, because there wasn't really a script, and the editor, you know, actually did everything in front of the director. There's one cut, you know, there weren't trailers. Like, so many different reasons that F.W. Murnau is, you know, one of the best filmmakers, especially from Germany, especially of the silent era. Like, it sucks that... He got in a car crash by Santa Barbara on the Pacific Coast Highway, and his career ended before he could even really do a talkie. That sucks. Like, who knows what he would have done? I'm sure that he would be in that category with people like Fritz Lang or like Herzog or Fast. Well, he already is like, there. I mean, he, you, you know, but this, he would this truly is like, be there. It wouldn't. A lot just of be people this believe this is the best German film ever made, and I mean, Including you know, this Herzog. is one of the truest examples of just the true power of the visual image that, you know, the score that was written for this is kind of lost and there's so many versions all over the place, but Mm -hmm. people don't remember that shit. They just remember the look of this movie and the images themselves. Like that's, that's really, that is a legacy just based on a frame. Like literally, you know, as much as we love Mm -hmm. to give credit to other stuff, there are other variables that we are able to, bring into it that we may not necessarily address other, uh, right away but it's one of those things that recall back here it's literally just an image and then a bunch of frames that follow in succession i there's don't remember reasons. all the fucking scores i've heard for this i just remember the images there's and no i could reason. watch it without any fucking music if i wanted it would still be haunting there's a reason why certain films are certain people's favorite films there's a reason why we buy or don't buy certain movies on this podcast there is no way, no reason at all that anyone would not be somewhat intimidated by this imagery of Counterlock. He is that much, I can't even say a badass, just in the list of all-time villains, there's something truly just villainous about him. Like, it's past that word. 
It really is. It's well, it's it, and it's not even like he's just like straight up evil. Like, oh yes, you know, like I want to, I want to do this just for the hell of it. Like, it's just it's very off because he's this figure that you don't understand and that goes by his own rules and that you know is just far more powerful than you are and that's really unnerving to see. It's more than that though. If you throw away his powers, like him lifting the coffins with one hand or the way he makes doors open and close magically, if you take away his comes supernatural, out of coffins, yeah, like, like if you take away yeah. all of that supernatural like skill just the way he looks. Truly. Like the first it's, time it's you un, see him, it's unnerving. It's unknown the to bullshit us. It doesn't seem first natural. First time you see him when he pretends to be like his uh, his what you call it his um, his buggy driver, right? When he tells Harker like, "Oh yeah, all the servants are asleep. You took too long. It's almost midnight." Like when you see him and he makes that buggy go like a million miles an hour through fast motion, where it's not even fast motion yet. Like that wasn't really invented, but. Through, you know, speeding up the, the camera or slowing down the camera. Well, it's actually about... Whatever. doesn't matter. This podcast is not about that. <laughs> Just that. When he's in the in the clothes with the hat is, you know, you're like, oh, that guy's kind of weird looking. And then when you see him again without the hat. And then when you see him later in the film when he has the hair on his ears. What, that look that he gives the first mate when he's chopping up the coffins in the ship's hull. Like, he blinks one time in this movie. If I ever had nightmares of this guy... I think that's that's truly the reason why I was so scared of watching this film. The idea that if I close my eyes, because it doesn't happen often, but like, especially around this time of the year when it's dark and I'm like walking to the bathroom without any lights on, and I imagine that if I look in the mirror, I could see something behind me. This fucker, this vampire, this Orlock dude is one of the reasons why I don't want to watch these kinds of movies. That, because. It's that image. You could see that image in reality. That guy could be standing behind you. So I don't care about the vampires and Blade or fucking Kronos or pick your poison. Name Bella any Gossi. movie. Buffy, especially not Bela Lugosi. He's not <laughs> even terrifying. He's charming. Like, pick pick your movie. It doesn't matter what movie it is. I don't care how scary your quote-unquote vampire looks. It is not as terrifying as this. I, I don't know if it's because of the power of a black and white image or because this is Germany post-World War One. I. I have no clue why, but I know that it's there. There's a power in this image. I don't know if it's because he's a real vampire or F.W. Morneau sold his soul to the devil. I don't know what it is, but I know that if I had seen this when it came out, I would never want to see a movie again. If I was a, a religious person, I would tell the Pope to like boycott this film. If I was in the Stoker family, I'd tell him to burn the print. I would never want to return to the cinema house. I would not want to ever give my money to anything else but like religious doctrine, and I would probably pray every night. If this was the first movie I ever saw, and especially if I'd never even heard of a vampire before. I this gotta is the buy part it. Where you say buy it, right? Yep, I gotta buy it just because of Orlock. Just because of Max Shrek. The other stuff is good too. The cat is good and the the water and the spiders <laughs> and certain things are good. You know, it, it it's not my cup of tea. It's it's too long for what it is. It's too silent for how much is going on. But if it's fucking October, heaven forbid if it's Halloween I really wish there was a, a a cemetery screening the other day with a live score in Long Beach that I kind of wanted to go to, but I didn't feel like paying money for something that I can watch legally for free. But if you're listening to this in October, 
and you've never seen it, especially if you love vampires, there's truly no reason why you're not watching this. It's free on Netflix, Amazon, and YouTube. It's in the public domain. It's a right as an American to be able to watch this since the copyright lapsed. There is absolutely no reason. If you're a horror aficionado, if you're nocturnal, if you like staying up at night, if you like the way blood tastes, you owe it to yourself to watch this. If you like movies, you owe it to the history of the medium to at least check it out. And if you don't want to watch the movie, like I said, because, hey, the whole film isn't that great, at least hunt down a montage of this motherfucker. Because he truly is a motherfucker. He probably fucked your mom, and that's why you're an asshole, and you don't give us more likes and subscribes. That, that is, no, that's extreme. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, not, that, that's, that's all Brian. That's all Brian. I'm not saying that, guys. Um, just making that clear. Um, but look, we're, we're self-professed cinephiles. Hell, we're fucking film grads. I mean, I'd be fucking nuts to not buy this for a dollar, but I'm not doing it just for the sake of film history. Like, I genuinely think this thing is incredible, and I enjoyed watching it. Like, when you mention a modern audience, like, you know, yeah, it's true. There are going to be people that are like, oh, that Many. that thing's old, and, you know, I'm just I'm just not into that. I don't want to watch that. I find it fucking boring. And if you're one of those people, that's fine. Just, it's just you know, back and away it's... and don't fucking ruin it for the rest of us. But there's a lot it's of people hard. that I think even when you're watching this, for a movie that's 95 years old at the time that we're recording this, and 95 you can, minutes. yeah, you can watch this in context, you know, like, uh, any classic, I think it's important to approach it in context. You know, there's more at stake than just your own personal uh, enjoyments. Just you know, you look at something as a historical document, and just as that, I think, in a way, that you know, there are those moments that transcend that. Where when you're not looking at it, is like, oh, this is a silent film. There are these moments that would definitely play differently to modern sensibilities, but they have charm because of the time that they were made. There's moments like that, like even when he's just, you know, if it's a title card that's going on for a bit too long, or um, which is kind of cool because, you know, just seeing how that's practically done and getting just that feel of, you know, in a digital age where we're easily able to throw that shit on there, not that that's bad. It's just, it's it's a different kind of effort that's being put into it. Um and that you, you just see the acting on the screen, you see the lack of camera movement, or just uh, just the sets that are being built, what have you. Like, a lot of stuff that's just, you know, it's it's funny how times change, and when you watch it in that context, it's cool. But then, yes, the moment with Orlok himself, when you forget what it is that you're watching, um, the fact that that stuff still holds up and is still able to play... I mean, that's incredible that that goes way beyond the I'd buy it for a dollar territory. And there's nothing that I could even name as a rating that goes past that. Um, but I mean, I mean, yeah, like I, I think I would just have to say that in what the this is what 106, 107 episodes that we've done. Mm hmm. This is like easily even though I'd seen it before, you know, this is easily probably the best uh, just piece of celluloid or just film no. in general that we have High ever noon, reviewed High on noon this for podcast. Me, first episode. <laughs> well, maybe for you, but yeah, no, this is the one for me. Like, it, not my favorite. You know, I have other favorites on here. I've reviewed some of my favorite flicks of all time, but yeah, like, you know, this thing is just incredible. And every time I do rewatch it, I, I, I do get that sense of like, wow, you know, this just... I it, it sucks like I still think we can try topping this because it sucks you know to have that mentality of like oh once something is done we can never transcend that especially this early in the game of filmmaking you know we still have to try to reach that but 
holy shit, you know, just this fucking like, thing, man. The it's, original uh, Evil Dead gets close to this level of dread. No, it does. No, not not it gets, at all. Not it doesn't not catch even close. it, but it gets no. close. And the reason it gets close, I think, Dragon is because closer. Whereas this is, you know, like ten or fifteen minutes of unsettling image, and the rest of it's kind of filler, especially by modern audiences sensibilities and it's not because of the way it looks it's not because it's not in color it's mostly because it's silent 90 minutes is a long time to sit without talking well you know i will say like it's not so much that the other stuff feels like filler because we haven't even mentioned the plague and i think there's actually quite a bit of substance i like the plague the plague is really good like i said well there's also a lot of substance there for nina or whatever the fuck the actual name is supposed to be because the version i watched but yeah hell well I'm, Ellen, it's, um, it's a German name, so I'm not sure what it would actually be. But, but Ellen I mean, there, my there is that one shot where you know she, you know that she's read the book and she's looking out yeah, the window she's and sacrifice she's sacrifice herself. Yeah. She's seeing she the coffins here, and there's and there is a lot of emotional complexity there. And to get that in just an image, you know, like as much as I harped on subtlety and silent films being kind of hampered by how much they can go into. That that is, there's like not really any overacting there where it's painfully obvious. It's just you know you see a bunch of images collided, and you understand exactly what it is that she's feeling, and you know what she's going to do. And that is probably the most masterful touch in this whole thing for I me. Just like you know, the it's it's stuff. not just it's not just like you know the images that creep you out. It's just that, and that stuff's the incredible. Plague? idea here is probably the best thing that they introduced to the Dracula story. Because I know that's not present. You know, it's just like this this rich, foreign, creepy dude that lives off of blood and can turn into bats and, you know, all the other magic tricks that he has as, super, as a superhuman, like, bad guy. Not even bad guy, but, you know, tortured soul, whatever you want to use. But, yeah, there's a plague here. You know, it came from Count Orlok's castle. It went through that village. It went to the ship. It killed everyone on the ship. Now it's in the town. Now it's killing everyone in the town. And it's like you can look at it from, uh, like, on paper as this plague that everyone else was because they were too afraid to embrace or even to recognize and especially to adhere and, like, understand, like, oh, no, this is a, a bean. This is an actual villainous vile creature that is ripping life from people to continue living and it's like oh we'll just sweep it under the rug it's it's just this plague and yeah this this wife knows it you know the person with the cat the person that knows oh if it, you do it before the, the the call of the first cock or whatever that you know he he you can defeat him with the sunlight like she kills herself to kill him or is assumed that he dies and just the way that he dies too the way that he's there and then the sun hits him then he vanishes and there's smoke rising or steam or whatever you want to <laughs> say hot cold ice i don't know what he's dead it's probably smoke just, he's, he's dead, dead. just yeah he did well he, he supposedly he died you know um now he's gone thanks for listening we hope it's been a pleasure if you enjoyed this episode you can listen to more by checking out the dollar review show where we cover theatrical and streaming releases as well as give our two cents on anything we sought out on our own whether that be tv music etc you can find all of our content at dollarreviews.net follow us on twitter or like us on facebook at dollar reviews and we're also on google play music itunes Pocket Cast, TuneIn, stitcher soundcloud youtube just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free but for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar you can send us a donation at patreon.com slash dollar reviews 
Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible. But more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, and you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a death to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis, that's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S, and now you know how to spell the email too, and also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX, and also follow my film diary at Letterboxd under the same name, where I log everything I watch, and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.